0: welcome in to the bsn nuggets podcast presented by in we Go.
1: joined by a special guest mason Plummer. i thought he was gonna knock that ref out in la <laughs> coaches will get testy with officials but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off yeah. i've never seen that before you should have taken a charge on him though, Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. What's going on, guys? Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here on a Wednesday Here's what we got on today's show. Going to look back for a few minutes at that win over the Pistons from Tuesday night. Then look ahead to this game Thursday against the Rockets. Denver's stretch run continues. Nine games left. They've got a tough back-to-back here Thursday, Friday in Houston and Oklahoma City. So we'll set up this pretty high stakes matchup against the Rockets here on Thursday. Tell you guys what's at stake and what to watch for. And then chat about will the Nuggets look to rest players here down the stretch, when that could come, who they might look to rest, and how we think the Nuggets will kind of navigate that. But I guess to start, we spoke with Matt Moore at HP Basketball on Twitter for our Tuesday show, which you can find on iTunes on bsndenver.com. A lot of good discussion there. I want to remind you guys to check that out. We chatted a little bit about uh, the Pistons game, but anything that's been sticking in your mind over the last 24 hours about this three-point win, which almost turned into one of the embarrassing losses of the season?
2: Well, I forgot to get your take on, on something really, really important. In the first quarter, Nikola Jokic does something that only Nikola Jokic can do, goes behind the back to his left, goes behind the back to his right, does a mm-hmm. dribble handoff, goes behind the back again, drives towards the basket, and depending on your, on your opinion on this, either shot it and it went right to Mason Plumley for a dunk, or he passed it off of the backboard to Mason Plumley. Did you think that was intentional?
1: Yes. I okay, think you didn't even have to think about that one. <laughs> I, I, well, I've been thinking about this one because I tweeted that play out here uh, Wednesday afternoon. I got a couple responses. Was that Intentional was that unintentional? I don't know for sure. Nobody asked Nikola about it after the game. I'm gonna say it was intentional. I mean, that thing came off the backboard pretty hard, and I mean, Jokic is pretty automatic on those flip shots around the rim.
2: It depended on the camera angle I was watching. Like on the one that was circulating on Twitter, the one you tweeted out, I was like, "Oh, that that just looks like a, a shot that Jokic sent a little bit long." But when I was watching a more like Ground level straightaway angle, it, it looked more like a pass. So I'm a little bit torn, but you know what? With Nicole Jokic's track record, like we should just assume pass. What am I even doing?
1: Yeah, this is the kind of stuff I thought he might try a little more in like the All Star game last month. He's got this stuff in his back. We saw him go off the backboard to himself for a layup earlier this season. I'm, I'm confident he can go off the backboard to teammates if he wants. I mean, what's my confidence level that this was? Intentionally a pass, sixty-five percent, seventy percent. Probably not much more higher than that, though. That
2: seems about right. I've always thought that players could make more use out of you know finding teammates with passes off the backboard and yes. especially passing the ball to themselves off the backboard. And yes. Jokic has become a master at the self-pass off the backboard this yeah.
1: year. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought this play up because that play kind of exemplifies how I feel like the Nuggets felt in this game and kind of the attention to detail or how into this game they were. I tweeted that play out this afternoon. Uh, It seemed like people enjoyed it. And I got one reply that said, I saw Jokic play last night. He walks around like he's a hungover summer camp counselor playing ball with third graders. He's amazing. I mean, that's a pretty good description of just the intensity level Nicole Jokic was playing with last night. Oh man, that's just absolutely perfect. It's a good description, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, he looks like a guy who spent half of his money made from counseling camp at the bar the
1: night before. And I think I tweeted this out when he was playing the Knicks. He had that look in his eye, that cockiness to his game where he just kind of knew he could do anything he wanted on the court. I mean, going up against DeAndre Jordan, a guy who he's owned for years and Whoever was alongside him in the Knicks front court, he had that look in his eye. Yeah, like I'm kind of lollygagging around a little bit, but he was kind of playing with a similar swagger last night, but more on like the hungover scale. Yeah, Nicole Jokic. A little more lethargic, I thought. Yeah. Well, I mean,
2: when he when he does those like those fakes and and he gets really loosey goosey with it, he always reminds me of those inflatable yeah. like Slim Jim <laughs> men you see at the car car wash or like car dealership or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what the name for those guys are, but
1: yeah. Big inflatable floppy guy. I know. I mean, you know what what we're talking about. I felt like Jamal Murray saved the day. 33 points for him. He had that big uh, second quarter, was it? And then he had those big shots down the stretch. I thought he probably should have gotten the ball more in the second half, but I mean, this is Jamal Murray, right? He'll have Maybe his worst six-game stretch of the year, definitely from a shooting perspective, uh, across Denver's four-game road trip and then the two games before that, he was shooting something like 6-30 from three across those six games. And he comes out against the Pistons, 12-19 from the field, 3-7 from three. You know, a great game, one of his most efficient shooting outings of the season. How long is this type of Jamal Murray going to continue, do you think? How long are we going to have to put up with, all right, for, you know, a two-week stretch Jamal Murray looks like a below average point guard and then on nights like tonight he looks like one of the most dangerous lead ball handlers in the league. How long do you think this will continue for?
2: I mean, it's pretty jarring. I mean, watching those games against the Pacers and then the Pistons. I mean, Murray played about it as poorly as as possible against Indiana. 2 of 12 from the field, 4 points, a bunch of turnovers in that game and then he bounces back with 33 on 12 of 19 shooting. I mean, it, if, if he could just be a little more consistent, the, the Nuggets would be so much tougher. I mean, I mean, we just see that when Murray is on, the Nuggets are so, so tough to beat. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how Jabal is this really important swing player for this team. And I think we're both pretty optimistic, but I mean, I wish I had a better answer. I think part of it may have to do with you know, he just plays a lot better at home as most players do, and especially most young players do. Definitely. But yeah, he's got to be better um, just on on a game-to-game basis, more consistent. I mean, he's still a kid too. You know, I'm not going to pass any judgment and say he's an inconsistent player. Um, You know, he just turned 22 a couple weeks ago, but yeah, it, it is maddening and
1: Man, I'm sure it makes Michael Ballone want to pull his hair out sometimes. <laughs> the consistency theme, its I mean, it's not just Jamal Murray right now. That's been kind of a theme around this team for the last couple of weeks, right? They just can't play consistent basketball throughout an entire game. I feel like the fact that that's cropping up at the end of a regular season where a team has already clinched a playoff berth and knows they're going to be one of the top seeds in the Western Conference, it's probably not a coincidence, um, but they could definitely – play more consistently. I mean, what are they now? 7 and 0, 8-0, when Jamal Murray scores more than 30 points.
2: Uh yeah, 7 and 0.
1: 7 and 0. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding right there. But these are the types of nights when you look at yourself and say, okay, like this is why we have such high regard for Jamal Murray. This is why we put his ceiling or at least I put his ceiling up there with the Damian Lillard types. That's these are the types of nights where really just appears like, okay, that's how good this guy can be.
2: Yeah. And here's my thing with Jamal, like compared to a player like Dame, that's a player he's often compared to. Dame goes by guys so easy. And I think that opens up so much stuff for him. Like on nights, I mean, he's a great shooter. He's got unlimited range, but on the rare night when his shot, it's not really falling for him and he's not in rhythm, he can get to the bucket. And Murray doesn't have that shake. He doesn't have that blow by ability yet. I don't know you know, if if he can get there, I don't know if he can just do a better job of of getting guys off balance maybe. But that's where I, I think Jamal has got to get a little bit better because when he's on, I mean, he's among the best tough shot makers in the league. Like Kyrie Irving, I think, is the best tough shot maker in
1: the league. And there was a game this year where Jamal Murray out tough shot at him yeah. or whatever. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And it's funny because he probably has to take a lot more of those tough shots because he can't get by people like Damon Lillard does. You yeah. know, so he's going to that like reverse pivot fadeaway or you know, pivot two times and then shot fake and then kind of that rip through move and he's shooting a 15-foot, one-footed leaner. It's like Those are the kind of shots he has to take and he makes a fair deal of them. Uh, but yeah, he was in one of those zones last night. He was in one of those zones where you know, every time up the floor, Nicole Jokic is looking for him. Monte Morris is looking for him. Gary Harris is looking for him. He's getting the ball every time up the floor and yeah, I mean, those are the types of nights that make you think this guy could be a special player, a multiple-time all-star, which I still think he'll be. I mean, this guy could make an all-star team next year, I'm, I think, personally. What do you think his all-star ETA is, Ooh. if he has one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't see why there, there couldn't be a leap next year. We all kind of expected it this year. Uh, next year, I don't know. There are so many good guards in the West. Like, Is he going to make it over Westbrook next year? I mean, maybe, but... Probably not. Um, wasn't Westbrook like the last guard in?
1: Yeah. But think about it this way. If the Nuggets win 50-plus games again next season, which I think they will. I don't think there's a lot of reason to think they won't break the 51 barrier again. I mean, this is soon going to be a team where, you no, know, maybe you've got to have two All-Stars from it. And Jamal Murray averaged 18 points per game this year. I think there's a real plausible scenario where you could average 20 a game next year. You know, Denver's at the top of the West around all-star voting next season. And yeah, maybe they caught people off guard a little. And I don't even think they had another deserving all-star this season. But you know, next season, the Nuggets aren't going to be sneaking up on anybody in the regular season. And if Jamal Murray is averaging 20 points per game, we know Nicole Jokic is going to be in the All Star game. I feel like voters would say the Nuggets might need two representatives at that point if they put together a really strong back to back regular season. So I think next year's a possibility. Anything else from this game? I mean, the turnovers, not impressive. Denver only scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter, 15 points in the third quarter, total of 29 second half points in this one. 10 less than they scored in the second quarter, I mean, that stands out, of course.
2: Yeah, that stood out. Um, I thought Mason Plumlee was really good in this game. He was, yeah, good Uh, point. 10 points, 12 rebounds, and just 23 minutes for him. He is such a threat, you know, rolling to the rim and flushing lobs. I mean, him and Monte Morris have connected on so many of them this year. Jamal Murray had a a really nice lob to, to Plumlee, which he flushed. I mean, Plumley can go up and get it one-handed. He's, he's a quick leaper. He gets up pretty high for a guy who's seven feet.
1: Former dunk contest participant, Mason Plumley.
2: Yeah, do the Nuggets have
1: two former
2: dunk contest participants, him and Barton? They do, him and Barton. Okay, so multiple for a team that's not considered that athletic.
1: Maybe three next year with Malik Beasley. Yeah. Shout out Malik Beasley, new father. Yeah, wow. How old is Malik, 22? Mm. Terrifying thought. <laughs> It's a terrifying thought, and I'm 27. Yeah. So, good thing that Denver got the win. 95-92. Mike Mullen said this after the game. They're not even playing very good right now, and they're 7-1 and one their last eight, I believe. So, I think that's just a peek into the talent that this team has.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they, I think they played, what, two good games during the stretch? The I mean, Boston I thought, game? Yeah, they played good against Boston, and... Uh, Minnesota. I mean, they're were, they were dynamite that night. But other than that, they haven't played... I mean, I'd say they played a couple average games
1: and a couple bad ones. Mm-hmm. Another observation from last night, the Nuggets only played eight guys. And there's been a lot of chatter about, will the Nuggets start to rest players? When is that decision going to be made? Who they're going to rest? I have a couple of theories on that, but let's hit a break real quick. And when we get back, uh, that's where... We'll, head. we'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
0: Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me, and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to. And I have actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236.
1: Welcome back to BSN Nuggets Podcast. We are presented, of course, by Green Solution. Check those guys out, mygreensolution.com. You can get 20% off your entire purchase with the promo code BSN20. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here, Wednesday edition of the show. talk about rest. It's been a topic conversation around Pepsi Center over the last couple of weeks because this is uncharted territory, at least for this version of the Nuggets. They've never been in a position under Michael Malone over the last four years where they've been this high in the Western Conference where they've clinched a playoff seed this early, obviously their first playoff appearance of the Michael Malone era. They've never been in a position to rest guys down the stretch. How do you think the Nuggets will approach this issue of rest and when do you think we could expect to see some guys take some nights off maybe at the earliest?
2: I would be surprised if any of the major contributors rest before Denver's at least clinched home court advantage. Um because Denver is just so money at home this year. I think that's you know, their next immediate goal, but besides getting, you know, a top two seed or whatever. But I don't know. I'd be a little surprised if any of the big guns rested before then. And I don't know, man. I mean, Michael Malone, I think has done a really good job of managing minutes so far this season. I mean, just look up and down the roster. Nothing's too crazy. I mean, Jamal Murray's the leader at 33, Nicole Jokic 31 and a half, everybody else below 30. That right. They've all had pretty manageable loads this year. It's a tricky balance, but I don't know, man. If I was Michael Malone, I, I almost wouldn't want to rest anybody until I knew exactly what my seed was going to be.
1: You're saying you don't think they'll rest anybody until they get home court in the first round? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I don't think you'll see anybody rest until that happens. And if the Nuggets sweep this road trip at Houston Thursday, at Oklahoma City Friday, they win those two games, they're going to be guaranteed a top four seed. Uh, so that's the earliest they can clinch that. And I agree with you. They've done a good job of keeping minutes down this year. When you look at the big guns on this roster, uh, like Nicole Jokic and Jabal Murray, Paul Millsap's a guy I think they would look to find rest for, for sure. I mean, he played 40 minutes in this game against Detroit. I don't think that's what the Nuggets envisioned him playing, especially when they got out to a 27-9 to lead after the first quarter. So he's a guy I'd look for them to rest. I'd look for them to rest Jokic, maybe a game or two here or there. Maybe Jamal Murray, too. He could probably use a night off. And I think it's more of a prevalent issue just based on how the Nuggets have looked here towards the end of that four-game road trip and against Detroit. It just looks like they're a bit mentally drained right now at the end of the regular season. And that's understandable. That happens After a long and trying season where Denver's accomplished a lot, you're going to be a bit drained physically and mentally towards the end of this thing. So I think especially based on how they've played here as of late, they'll look to rest guys. If I'm Michael Malone, I wouldn't rest anybody until I lock in the number two seed. And I think they can do that with a, I ma- I think their magic number is something like seven to do that. So they're going to need a couple more wins. They're going to need some losses, obviously, from uh, Houston and Portland and Utah and whatnot. But I feel like they could do that, not rest anybody until they get the two seed, and then still have two or three games at the very end of the regular season, their last two or three games, to hand out rest when needed. I feel like that would still be enough time to get an ample amount of rest to their guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely be trying to avoid playing Golden State or Houston if you can in the second round. Because I think if you run into either of those teams in the second round, and look, it's no foregone conclusion that the Nuggets win in the first round. I think whoever they play is going to be really tough. But I think if you run into a Houston or Golden State, I think the chances of them making it out of that are really, really slim. I mean, you know, any of the other teams, I think Denver has a pretty good shot against. I mean, shoot, man, you you land right in this bracket. And Heck, maybe we're looking at a Western Conference Finals appearance this year.
1: Right, but they can get the two seed, and they still might not have any control over what happens with Houston. Because I think Houston's probably going to get the three, right? Right. I mean, I can't imagine Portland, especially with the Nurkic injury, holding on to that three seed. Houston's a half game back of them, and the Clippers are two games back of that. I mean, the Clippers are so hot right now, I don't want to discount them for anything or rule anything out. But you got to think Houston's the odds-on favorite for the three. And so it seems like it could be setting up for a second-round match between the Nuggets and Rockets. But the thing about getting the two is you'd at least have home court in that series, which you would definitely need if you even want to have a prayer at beating the Rockets in the series. So I would go full steam ahead for the two-seed.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, Nuggets are a half game back of the Warriors for the one right now, and just looking at both teams' remaining schedules, Denver has got a, a pretty tough road the rest of the way, and and Golden State's is is pretty light. I mean, they've, they've got one more meeting against each other, but I'm looking at Golden State's schedule at Minnesota, Charlotte, Lakers, uh, Cavaliers, Pelicans, Grizzlies. I mean, I, I would I would uh, bet pretty strongly on the Warriors getting that one seed, even though they are playing some pretty apathetic basketball.
1: It's funny, though. Both teams are kind of playing coy about the one seed. The Warriors are like, oh, we don't really care. We just want to make sure we're healthy. The Nuggets are kind of saying the same thing. Like Michael Mullen has said a couple times over the last week or so, we're not going to risk sacrificing our health for the sake of the one seed. Like We have bigger goals in mind. seems like both teams are playing a little coy. But I'm with you. I think the Warriors probably get that one just because they got the easier schedule.
2: Yeah, and I think the Nuggets privately would love to do that. And the Warriors, I
1: think, privately probably don't care. They just feel like they can beat whoever on whatever court. (laughs) Right. Well, the Warriors beat the Rockets in seven games last season in Houston in, in that crazy game seven where they came back. So they've done it once. Pretty sure they're confident that they can do it again. And I don't think they'd be worried about potentially visiting Pepsi Center for a game seven either.
2: Yeah, it's funny how much uh, these last two games against the Warriors have, have changed kind of the dynamic versus the Nuggets because, you know, kind of the storyline before these, these two games was, yeah, Denver kind of has Golden State's number. They really played <laughs> them well. And now Golden State has just shellacked them twice in a row. And it, it's like a big brother, little brother thing.
1: But then again, we haven't really seen this fully healthy Slim down rotation version of the Nuggets against the Warriors. I know I'm kind of reaching there, <laughs> but <laughs> we haven't seen that to be fair. We, we just haven't. Uh, but I think, I agree. I think the last two matchups were a, a good idea of how m- much further the Nuggets still have to go.
2: Yeah. I mean, if the Nuggets do play Golden State,
1: they might want to consider hiring a hit to, you know, pretend like the last two games didn't happen. And <laughs> just forget about those two games. So when the Nuggets do finally start to rest guys, I mean, they're going to keep guys out for full games. They're not going to put a minutes limit on a Paul Millsap, say you can only play 20 minutes in the game. That would be kind of stupid. They're just going to hold guys out for uh, full games, which I think is the right move. I thought potentially this Rockets game might have been an interesting one to maybe rest guys for. You kind of play coy against Houston a little bit. You save them for... The Thunder game on the second night of a back-to-back, a much more winnable game against the Oklahoma City team that you've beaten before in Oklahoma City, a place where you've won before on the second night of a back-to-back. I don't know. I thought that might be maybe a sneaky move Mike Malone could pull out of his back pocket. We'll see, I guess. But let's look ahead to this Rockets game and what to expect. First, though, a quick word from Total Beverage. What if I told you guys that you could order your liquor on a mobile app and have it delivered to you the same day? and save money doing that. With Total Beverage, you can because Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. They have the lowest prices in the state as well. Plus they're locally owned and operated. So you're helping out the local guy. BSN listeners can get $10 off a $50 purchase from the Total Beverage website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, visit the Total Beverage website, download their app. You can save $10 off a $50 order and have that delivered right to your door as well. Looking ahead to this Rockets matchup on Thursday, I think the Nuggets are something like five point underdogs. How are you feeling about this one? Uh, not great, Bob. <laughs> not great. Why is that? Um,
2: I don't know. I mean, they're playing the Rockets. Uh, I guess I feel a little bit better that the Nuggets finally got the monkey off their back um, a couple of months ago. But yeah, man, it, it just makes me nervous anytime they they play the Rockets. Um, they've they've even defended Harden well and. Rockets are, are still 2-1 against him this year.
1: Right. Mike Mullen is quick to point that out. They've held James Harden under 30 points per game this season in three matchups.
2: Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's a way for Denver to shut down Harden and Capella. Like, if they try to shut down one, then the other is
1: just going to go nuts. And I guess
2: every NBA prob- NBA team has that problem. but
1: Right. Right. Nobody can really shut down Harden this season. I mean, historical scoring numbers he's putting up. And, yeah, he's hurt Denver at, at times with his scoring, but also with his passing. Denver's tried a bunch of different tactics, it feels like, to slow him down. And some have worked, but you know, when you focus in on Harden, when you jump him on the ball screen, when you bring two up there, he can find shooters and whatnot. Maybe the most interesting aspect of this matchup for me, if everybody plays, and I assume they would, this will be the first time the Nuggets are facing the Rockets at full health. In their three previous matchups this season... Denver was not at full health. Um, in the Rockets, 109-99 went over the Nuggets earlier this season. Denver was starting Wancho at the three, and they played him 39 minutes. And in that game as well, Malik Beasley wasn't even a big part of the rotation. In the Nuggets, 125-113 loss uh, in Houston, they started Torrey Craig. They were without Will Barton. And the bench wasn't really configured how it is right now. Wancho was still playing a lot. Trey Lyles was still playing a lot. And in the Nuggets win even, of course, Houston didn't have Clint Capella. And the Nuggets were without Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. So that's really the one thing I'm watching here. This is the first time the Nuggets at full health will be playing the Rockets.
2: Yeah. And this last win over the Rockets, 136 to 122, um, Denver was just incredible offensively. And I kind of think that that's just how the Nuggets are going to have to win against the Rockets. They're they're just going to have to hope to outscore them. I yeah. think so. Just going with your, your starting five of Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, and Jokic. I mean, you just got to hope that that group's able to put up some really big offensive numbers because like trying to grind it out, I just don't feel like is gonna to, gonna to work out for you. Um, that win, by the way, Clint Capella. I didn't play in that game, and that was huge for Denver because Clint Capella, first matchup of the year, was 11 for 15 from the field. Second matchup of the year, 13 for 18. I mean, it's just a a lob and dunk fest uh, against Capella. It's
1: one of the few guys, Clint Capella is, who has really had his way with Nikola Jokic, I felt like. He's kind of the guy that Jokic struggles to defend the most. Uh, Maybe the super athletic rim runners. Clint Capella is obviously like the top 1% of those guys, but Nuggets have always struggled to slow him down.
2: Yeah, and Harden might be the best lob passer in the entire NBA,
1: too. I mean, yeah. it, those things are I mean it's him or Monte course. Morris, probably. <laughs> yeah. Those are probably the top two. Here's something else interesting from uh, this Nuggets win over the Rockets earlier this season. Torrey Craig played 34 minutes off the Nuggets bench. Looking at the NBA.com matchup data, he guarded James Harden on 32 possessions. Harden was 3 of 10 from the field with Torrey Craig as his primary defender. Is that a matchup you like? Is Torrey Craig the best guy on this roster suited to guard James Harden?
2: Uh, yeah, I think he's the best guy in this roster suited to guard James Harden. I mean, better than Will Barton, better than Malik Beasley, I think. You know, I, I really like Tory Craig in there if he's hitting threes, though. Because even if, if Harden isn't getting, you know, his 35, which he, he gets every night somehow— um, he, he's still such a threat passing the ball. I mean, he really picked Denver apart with his passing in a couple of those games. So, yeah, I mean, I think even if Torrey does a good job of, of guarding Harden 1-on-1, you still need him hitting threes against his team.
1: And he went 2-4 from three in that win Denver had over Houston a couple months back. Uh, this was probably Torrey Craig's best game of his career. <laughs> I mean, 8-11 of 11 from the field two of four from three, 22 points in 34 minutes. He was a plus 20, arguably his best showing ever. But then again, Denver didn't have Gary Harris in that game, and you've got to assume Gary Harris will start on James Harden, Jamal Murray will start on Chris Paul, Will Barton on Eric Gordon, and then Millsap on P.J. Tucker, Nicole Jokic on Clint Capella. I'm excited for this game. Uh, I'm with you. It's nerve-wracking from a Nuggets perspective, but I'm excited to see both these teams go at it at full strength. All right, so we'll see if the Nuggets can get the win. I anticipate Malik Beasley playing in this game. He should be good to go, Join the team in Houston. Anything else before we get out of here?
2: Uh, no Kenneth Fareed for Houston. No Gerald Green. Looks like all of their other key guys are, are going to be able to go.
1: Should be a fun one. That's big because Gerald Green always has his best showings against the Nuggets, and We know Kenneth Freed will get up for that game as well, but good thing he's not playing. He killed Denver last time, 9 of 13 from the field. All right, if you guys got questions for the show, hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Call in after this Rockets game. Let us know what you think, win or loss. We want to hear your takes. We'll be back with another episode recapping this game in Houston. Talk to you then.
0: For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.